listening to the Derek Sante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Sante, and today I'm kicking it with a beautiful spirit, an individual who stands with great purpose, in my opinion. She's an essential member of my family, but an incredible friend also. She's genuine through and through, and I respect her to the fullest because she is someone who knows her worth and value. She's one of my constant reminders to do better when I catch myself slipping. I've asked her to join me in a conversation about not only health, wellness, self-love, and more, but I want it to be nosy because I think she has a great story, and I think everyone listening um, deserves to hear it and benefit from it as well. Please help me welcome my sister, Sien Knight. Welcome. Thank you. What a welcome. Yeah. Deserving. Thank you. Very much deserving. So, first of all, thank you for taking the time, making the time, and making this happen. Of course. Um, I usually open with a quote on every episode, and the quote I have for you I'll share it in a second. It's by uh, Margaret Mead. And I want you to give me your unfiltered opinion when you hear it and what comes to mind. All right? All right. Got it. It reads, always remember that you are absolutely unique, just like everyone else. That's it. I know for some reason I got this image of flowers. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> And just the diversity of flowers and, you know, sometimes even in the same type of breed of flower, there's still uniqueness in how mm-hmm. something grows yeah. and how something flowers. That's it. Funny, how did, that, how did that come to mind, that image of flowers? Have you been thinking about flowers lately? Well, I was just actually, uh, I went upstairs before the, the sun goes down this evening uh, and I was just harvesting some tomatoes. Mm-hmm. to think that I still have tomatoes growing upstairs on our rooftop, but um, I love plants, I love plant medicine, so there's things that just kind of gravitated kind of in that space moment. Nice, nice. Now, I really wanted to have this conversation with you about health, um, wellness, self-love, and how you manage those, you know, uh, departments in your own life. And, um, some of those tips or techniques or, you know, routines that you might have, I think it would be beneficial for others, include myself, because I'm always seeking to improve. Um, so that's really where I want to talk to you about. But before we get into all of that, question I have to, you know, open this conversation up with is, when do you feel you are at your very best? Hmm. That's a good question. Um... When I can feel, when I feel grounded in myself mm-hmm. and uh, connected to who I am, I feel like I'm able to be my best self. And I think if anything that so many of us have learned over the last almost two years pandemic, mm-hmm. I think we've all been on this kind of self journey, trying to figure out what that looks like, what joy looks like and reclaiming joy and right. definitely being on that journey and figuring that out. Nice. Now, is there a particular activity sometimes that you do that helps you get to that space? 
where that creates this feeling? I think there's a few of them. I mean, you've known me for long enough and like <laughs> Dan for so long was, I guess still is, uh, has always been something that brings me joy, being in movement, mm-hmm. uh, moving in my body, moving with other people, connection to sound. I mean, um, from the West Indies, born and raised in Montreal, parents from the West Indies, mom from Dominica, college from St. Vincent, and just dance has always been, you know, back home parties, mm-hmm. basement parties growing up, and just has always been something that has been a staple in my life. Um, but I would say definitely over the last several years, um, and I bring back, you know, what I mentioned before around joy and the pandemic, mm-hmm. I started gardening. Ah. And in the kind of spring, summer, into fall months, it's really been, you know, the idea of being able to plant something by seed and seeing it grow. Yeah. And being able to come back to like our roots of what our ancestors used to do with cultivating and harvesting. There's so much beauty and peace in that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's brought me a lot of joy. Nice. And stillness. And is there any... Um, specific plants or uh, foods that you might have in your garden? That we might <laughs> I have a few. I'm curious what you thing, have. <laughs> the funny thing is that, like, I, I mean, when I was younger, living in Montreal, you know, my dad has a green thumb. I've always had a green thumb, so oh. would help him. But, you know, plant the front, his garden in the back, but never really remember what it takes to do gardening. I don't remember my dad ever growing from seed, but last year was like, eh, I'm going to try things. And, you know, started planting pretty much everything by seed. So this year, two types of kale, uh, Swiss chard, tomatoes, cucumbers, okay. beans, um, and then a bunch of medicinal herbs. Wow. So... Yeah, it's been quite a journey, an exploration of, you know, kind of digging deeper and learning how to grow my own food and like mm-hmm. feed my own family with food that I grow. I right. think, you know, many of us that have backyards, you know, might dabble in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I live North York, live in a townhouse, have a rooftop, don't really have green space and really have been, you know, exploring what urban gardening looks like right um so yeah it's been a bit about a bit of everything wow so now now it was there a particular um food that was not successful the first time you planted it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which ones <laughs> there was a few uh so i planted strawberries didn't grow oh, no. didn't even sprout didn't even sprout <laughs> nothing nothing so that was a bust. Um, I did end up buying the plant actually because I was like, let me just, like, at least I want some strawberries. Right. Uh, what else did grow? My watermelon started to grow and then just kind of never really got bigger than like a size of a, let's say, a plum. Really? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. I think I needed more space. I have no idea. Oh, I have no okay. idea. Okay. Okay. But it's really been more of the fruits that haven't really taken off. Yeah. I did try um, lettuce, but for some reason couldn't get that either. But Interesting. 
So I just got to stick with the ones that seem to grow well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the kale has been working well, but the lettuce didn't work so well. That's Mm-mm. that's interesting. Mm-mm. No, we gotta go for Kino to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh! So I have this thing where um, at the start of each day, I try and remind myself of the type of person or um, the type of day that I want to have, and I try mm-hmm. to make it intentional. Mm-hmm. Right, so. What kind of day did you want today to be for you? I think if I really, you know, think about that practice and like rituals I have as well as trying to always start my day um, meditating on wanting to be at peace Mm -hmm. or find peace in my day. Um, Because you just, we don't know what our days are, what what can come through in our day. So really each day I try to ground myself in, and call in peace. Mm-hmm. So whatever comes to me, I'm able to kind of navigate the feelings that may come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how, so I would say peace. How, how important is, um, I mean, it sounds like it's very important, but I just want you to iterate it mm-hmm. on it a little bit more, expand on it, but health and wellness. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide, okay, you know what? I got to pay more attention to those things in my life and, Make, make them a priority? I think I've always kind of dabbled in wellness, whatever that means when I was, you know, younger. But mm-hmm. I definitely say like 2012 because there was like a lot of health things for me as a Black woman that started to show up. Um, we found out I had fibroids. We, we called me to really think more about my body and my health, my wellness, mm-hmm. um, and really trying to figure out how do I navigate this world that we live in to get the support that I need. I think too often, you know, we're in Canada, North America, Western medicine is something that most of us will interact with and navigate one way or another, but recognizing that that's not always where we get the most support or how we need to be supported and really started to kind of dig deeper into traditional and alternative therapies to support myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think like 2012 for me was like a pivotal time for me to start exploring that and what it means for me to really be more self-aware of my body, um, what's showing up, uh, how I feel, and navigating our health system to get the support that I need. Right. Do you find it, do you find it, it's more difficult trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle than it is to obviously fall off the wagon? I think there's, it's about a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes with all the things that are going on in each of our lives, distractions at the same time, um, it can, and it is a journey. I don't think that, you know, some of us do much better job maybe consistently, but definitely when I think about myself and my journey, um, it's an everyday process. And sometimes like I find I do a better job of taking care of my health and well-being, and then other times I don't. Right. Um, so many things that go on in our world can impact us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Yeah. And that pulls us in and out of like how our 
wellness and connection to our health can possibly be, right? So, right. yeah, I don't really think it's necessarily a straight journey. And I think so many of us want it to be and then put so much pressure on ourselves when we kind of fall off the bandwagon. Right, right. Um, but really understanding it is a day-by-day journey and choice that we can make. Yeah. I think often that stress that we put on ourselves for it to look a particular way. Right. What are you what are you most grateful for in your life? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um I'm really grateful for like I have really good people in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you being one of them oh. is time and distance never changes that. I mean, I think about I mean we met back in the day, jungle. Yeah. Um and I think about that we reconnected for Harmony Movement. Mm-hmm. We worked there together. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to speak every day. And I have a number of people in my life. The same thing. I don't have to speak to them every day. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're there for each other. The love is real. Right. And I think, you know, so many of us don't necessarily have that. And I'm really grateful for the people I have in my life that I can pick up the phone and just kind of check in with or just know that something is up. I have a support system around me. Mm-hmm. And your, your circle of friends, would you say it's small, medium, or large? I think there's layers, right? Yeah. yeah. No, th- th- there is. It's, actually, that's a really good point. <laughs> because so. I think we all have those people. Like, if something happens... Right. Like there's a core people that you'll pick up the phone and call in immediately. Right. And then that kind of like grows out into like other layers of circles of friends. I yes. guess yes. I would say like my, my, my large circle, there's, there's quite a few people yeah. um, that, you know, are really important to me mm-hmm. and mean the world to me. But like immediately when I think of like, okay, if something were to happen, you know, who are the ones like that day, that moment I will call. Right. It is definitely much smaller, but I think it depends on the situation and what's happening. I've also like lived in various places around the world. So I guess I also have the luxury of having people in my life at different lifetimes. Yeah. I don't know if I answered that question. No, you did. did. I I like the layers (laughs) approach. I like the layers (laughs) approach because I I usually go with um, compartments, right? I find it Mm -hmm. easier for me to say, okay, um, I have people that I consider friends, mm-hmm. but really, if I if I give someone that friend title, I'm really mm-hmm. calling them extended family. Yeah. And then I have a whole lot of acquaintances. See, good way of putting it. That's another way of putting it. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like I do have a whole bunch of acquaintances. Right. Sometimes like the layers come in, come in, come yeah. in a little bit yeah. smaller, but like definitely, if I call you a friend. Um, you're part of my family. Yeah, yeah. But we also, like, in our family, have family members who are much closer to us than others. So exactly. there's also, like, that variation in the quotation of family friends. Exactly, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. How's your mental health been lately? Hmm. I would say I've been down. Yeah? If you had to, um, if you had to put it on a scale first. What would it be? Zero to ten. Zero being the worst and ten being perfect or excellent. I would say 
like a six or seven. I hate scales in that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's very limited, limited right? It's binary, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it helps with kind of position things. Yeah. Really think about like how on a spectrum, but like, right. I think that this year, like the last couple of years, particularly as a black person, black woman, mm-hmm. there's been so many things that impacted us, so. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Nice. I think it's like, I'm just very conscious of like, conscious consistently, like we are as black people impacted by so many things in society that that has a constant impact on our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and this last <laughs> year and a half of the pandemic, I think no one has, you know, walked away Right. Got free. Um, <laughs> so I think it makes like I would say it's six or seven, and it, it like it fluctuates. Yeah. There's times where it's like lower than, but like right now it's it's a six seven. Nice, nice. What about you? I've been honestly, I've been sitting at like a seven for a mm-hmm. good a good while. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I mean, it fluctuates. It goes you know up and down from there. Uh, I would say. I've been this if I had to use this week as as a, a benchmark, I would say this week has been an eight. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it, it kind of fluctuates, right? I, I keep a lot of things in on mind and, and people in mind and whatnot. And obviously with what's happening in the world, you have to <clears throat> look at things differently, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and those those thoughts, those moments when you kind of go deeper within yourself to kind of reflect put you below that six or, you know, that seven that you're sitting at. And because it can be depressing, right? It can be mm-hmm. really depressing when you look at the world from a certain lens. And so then I got to find a way, whether it's through music or, um, you know, poems or just, you know, watching my kids play that'll get me through and, and bring me back to a seven or eight um, or a really good conversation or a good laugh with a friend that usually picks me up as well. So yeah, it's 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 up and down for sure. It's definitely up and down. <clears throat> what are what are some of the things that you practice to get you out of those those ruts when you when you fall into those emotional ruts? I think like you, um, I mean, being in nature has always been something that allows me to like reconnect with myself mm-hmm. and breathe and just give myself space to kind of feel and process. Uh, so walking. Um, particularly, like I said, living, you mentioned the city, finding ways, places I can walk. Sometimes whether it be like 10 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, longer. Yeah. Um, something that I do, listening to music, dancing around the house, um, going on a bike ride, talking to a friend. Sometimes like we all just need to vent and mm-hmm. get our emotions out. Yeah. I think too, much, too often like we we're holding on to so many emotions that then impact our health and our well-being and just that space and outlet to get it out, whether it be like verbally, screaming into a pillow, um, even writing it down can be so helpful. Um, and really for me, trying to find space to meditate, mm-hmm. particularly every morning before I start my day, I try to take between 10 to 30 minutes to do that for myself. Nice. Um, just to start my day in a way, whether it be like a guided meditation or just kind of getting into my body mm-hmm. so I can just reposition myself. What is that? I've been like some of the things I've done. 
what is like what does that feel like when you take that you know um 20 to 30 minutes of, of meditation like i'm trying to get a, a picture because i have a hard time meditating um i'm not sure if it's because i have these unrealistic expectations of what it's supposed to be like or feel like or how it's supposed to help um i guess i mean what what comes out of it for you? I'm trying to get a picture of what you experience when you finish meditating. Um, and if I can compare it to what I get when I write poetry or, or you know, listen to certain songs that get me through. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good question. I think so many people, even myself at times, kind of like struggle with these expectations of what meditation is supposed to be. Like our brain somehow shuts off and you go into the abyss. I think that can happen when you're in like some sort of like deep meditative state, right. but like our brain technically doesn't really ever shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's just being able to connect with my body instead of being very much like my brain space uh, of like that monkey talk of it going, you know, consistently right. off, jumping to this, jumping to that, things right. I'm worried about, things I got to do, mm-hmm. what time is it, am I running late, you know, and giving myself kind of like that stillness space. So. Yeah when I'm able to kind of like come into myself, you know, listening to my breath, listening to my heartbeat, that kind of stillness, you've got to feel your body kind of get calmer mm-hmm. and softer. Um, and that just allows me like the freedom to kind of be and not feel so restrained. Got it. Got it. Um, and I guess like I can, if you, you know, you were mentioning, like, is that something similar that you get with, right? Like, when I think about me dancing, it's mm. the same kind of feeling I get when right. I dance. Right. You know, you're just being in your space, kind of like, almost like your true essence, and you're kind of, like, there's freedom in that. Right. Right. Like, I, I feel like when I'm thinking about a poem or, or a feeling comes over me that I need to write this, you know, emotion down, it's... Mm-hmm. It's, it is interesting. It, it is freeing because there's no restrictions as far as what I can talk about. I can say what I want. I can scream um, mm-hmm. and no one will ever hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that escape helps. It, it definitely mm-hmm. helps because I can do and say whatever I want in that moment and no one is there to witness it or judge. Mm-hmm. And the beauty in, in it for me is I get to tell them when they can see it or read it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. So that's awesome. That's yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think back five years from now, right? Not from now, but five years back from now, right? Five years okay. ago. Okay. What type of relationship did you have with yourself um, then? And how was it different than the one you have with yourself today? Huh. Where was I Um... Five years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, like, kind of thinking about, like, where was I? Who was I? hmm I definitely, if I think about myself five years then, five years now, there's a deeper sense, like, knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. Or knowing who I want to be, how I want to be, and also just being very comfortable with the type of person or, you know, how I show up in this world. Right. And I think so much. You know, as you get older, um, 
you do get wiser. <laughs> you do care less. Yeah. Um, and you get more comfortable with like who you are as a person, mm-hmm. who I am as a black woman. Um, you know, wanting to embody, you know, my self worth yeah. and and my sense of self and speaking up and having a voice. Mm. Um, and really like leading into that. So I would definitely say like, I can see that growth in myself. Mm. Um, and truly owning that and not being afraid of how it lands for other people. Cause it really is about them. Right. And what, what inspired that change and, and just the way you started to see yourself? For me personally, I definitely would say like growing a deeper relationship with my spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and really wanting to know who I am and not being attached to external expectations. Right. And journeying through what that looks like as I, you know, just let go of all these things that I find hold me back or can hold me back. Yeah. And it's definitely a journey. I wish I could say, like, I got that magic pill. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so pleased somehow beyond so much, but it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as long as I am a human on this planet, mm-hmm. um, in this world, that will continue. Yeah. Well, what were some of those um, life expectations that were kind of, you know, weighing you down as far as trying to figure out who you are and who you're supposed to be? I think there's like so many expectations that we put on ourselves in regards to like our career and success. Right. And how that looks like. I, I mean, love my mother dearly. Um, but definitely when I think of like how she thinks about career and security is very different than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always, if I look back over the years, kind of been like I get to a point I'm working somewhere, if I'm going to say career as an example, and I realize it's no longer in alignment or if I've grown it and I just kind of like, okay, do this and I go on to something else, which is very scary for many people to do. And not to say that I'm not scared in the moment, but like, you know, recognizing that I really only have one life to live. And if I'm not happy in this, you like, when we think about risk, like what is risk? Mm. Staying somewhere and you're risking your mental health. Right. And your wellness because, you know, it seems quote unquote more secure or do I take the risk of finding a place or doing something else that really brings me more joy or impact or ease or peace? Isn't that interesting though? The, it's almost like the illusion of, of, I don't want to say success, but happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost like our parents have these expectations or these projections. And then we take those on, we alter it slightly and we make it our own, but not realizing that it was never really originally ours, mm-hmm. you know? And, and for some of us, we catch it at least, you know, um, at some point in our life, but some people don't ever catch it mm-hmm. and recognize that, Oh, wait a minute. I haven't been living my life. I've been living, you know, um, those before me and, and, mm-hmm the path that they kind of laid to say, you are a smart young girl and this is what you should be doing. You should become a doctor. You should become this. You should become that. 
And we don't realize that we're actually taking it on, but it was never ours to begin with. I can only imagine as a 16-year-old or, you know, um, 17-year-old getting ready to go to college and you have all these pressures of you have to get into business, you have to get into this. Mm-hmm. And it's not even something that you're interested in doing, but you're afraid to tell them, I can't do that. That's not what I'm interested in because they're paying for it or you don't want to let them down, that pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just curious, like how did that pressure, was that something that you also had to struggle with or um, did you catch it early enough to be able to, you know, kind of, create your own path? Interestingly enough, I didn't really get that pressure from my parents in like a particularly like a career path in that sense. Awesome. <laughs> when I think about it, like it's quite beautiful. They don't have that pressure. And, and, you know, just to go back for a second to something you said around like being a young person, like a 16 year old, you have to start making decisions. And you mm-hmm. feel pressure from like your parents. I also think the pressure is cool. And I think about that more clearly because I have a sister and she's 15 and, you know, she talks to me obviously about like the pressure she's feeling. She's in grade 10 in Montreal and, you know, the school is always talking about how, you know, this is the year your grades are going to go to Sejap, which is um, a form of college in in Quebec Mm -hmm. and, you know, how it's going to be. And she's needing to decide what's her career path. And, I keep telling her, <laughs> I'm like, I'm 40 and I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. I wish like <laughs> our school system taught differently. Right. Because I know there's so many of us, including myself, like you went down one career path in school mm-hmm. and so many of us are in completely different career paths. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, to get back to like, did I have those pressures as you know, growing up, I think it was more or less like finish school or do something. Right. But my parents never really understood what I was doing in school. I mean, I moved here from Montreal, went to U of T, started in psychology, hated it, failed for the first time in my life, mm-hmm. but then started to take like women's studies classes. And like, what West Indian person knows anything about what, like, you know, yeah. real back home West Indian person knows too much about like women's studies. Most right. men in my family were like, what about men's studies? <laughs> it was like this whole, like, and like, everyone was like, oh, you're not going to get a job. You're not going to, and I was just like, no, no, I know what I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I know how this factors out, you know, and I've been able to kind of like make my own path in regards to like potentially what a career would look like for me. It has not been a straight path or traditional in any sense, yeah. but in that sense, I will say I've, I've been blessed and I'm super grateful. I never have had parents that really were forcing a particular career path that way. Um, so it's giving me that freedom yeah. to kind of explore. Man, you are definitely a diamond in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I was blessed and full gratitude because I do know that's not the case for most oh, people. Oh, yeah. I, I, listen, if it was up to my mom, I would have been a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's never too late, Derek. Listen, we do, we do need more male black nurses in healthcare, so this it's is, still an option. That's exactly what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I said no, thank you. Oh my gosh, she's like, that's where the money's at. They need you. I'm like, listen, I, I appreciate it, but my heart's not there, and I can't do yeah. that. You know, um, 
it, and it was a tough conversation. I mean, at 17, having that conversation, that was rough because mm-hmm. you don't want to say no to your parents. That was that's mm-hmm. one of the most challenging things. If you can muster up the courage to be able to do it, it changes a lot. So, yeah, you're definitely lucky. <laughs> yeah, like, I, to be honest, I've never had that conversation. Wow. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been other conversations. So, like, like I said, like, I kind of have jumped to different things when I realized, okay, that's yeah. not in my heart anymore. Like, I remember one of my first jobs after graduating UFT, I was working somewhere, I was making really good money, and... After two years of the contract, it was ending, and I got an opportunity to move to Guyana and work there. Mm-hmm. And my parents thought I was crazy. <laughs> They're like, you don't have family there. <laughs> oh, we've never been to Guyana. Yeah. You're making good money. Like, why? I was like, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited. Then I got there, and I was like, oh, okay. It's a little bit scarier and di- different than I thought it was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I loved it, but like after like a little bit of a shock of getting used to things. But, yeah. um, but it's been more or less like making these decisions that are like, I guess, exciting in some way, trying to like forge my own path. And my parents are like looking at me with like, you know, staring headlights. Like, are you sure yeah. you know what you're yeah. doing? Yeah. So, Where did you get the courage to do that? though? Just to get up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for this job and take this trip. I have no idea. Wow. I can't tell you through my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not their comfort zone. I have no idea, to be honest. Sometimes when I look back at like some of the things that I've done, yeah, you know, you know, some rough moments, get some bumps and scrapes yeah. along yeah. the way. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's more or less, like I said, you know, finding and like the purpose of me, like really wanting to be very grounded in like what makes sense to me, what feels aligned. Mm-hmm. And when something doesn't feel aligned, I get these like instinctive, intuitive, I don't know, hit calls that, you know, it's time to go. Right. Right. And going is, is better than staying because now it's going to impact you in ways that are going to be more detrimental. Mm-hmm. So I think the fear of staying in that that is is much more scary to me than than believing in myself and knowing that something else could be better. Right. So that's that's something that I've noticed about you is over the years, as far as a career goes, you can decide, okay, mm-hmm. I've had enough here and I'm going to move, and you'll do it, uh-huh. which I admire. I I really do. Um, and then when you look at the personal side of things you do the same thing. Like if, if something's not working out with a relationship or something like that, you're like, you know what? Mm-mm, this is unhealthy. I'm going to move from it. Um, which is harder, do you find, to make the jump? Professional the space the pers- or, or the personal? Yeah. Um, I think they could be equally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really depends on like personal, depending on who or, or what that relationship is. Right you know, can be really difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Which one was more difficult? Yeah. Um, I, I think, ass- they're, all, I think I, they're both difficult. Yeah. 
But you see, that's the thing. For me, looking from the outside, looking in, <laughs> the professional looks like it was easier. Because I feel like you don't, there's no, I mean, there might be here and there, but there's usually less emotional commitment, like, or attachment to yeah. it. And so I don't know if that helps. With I making- think that helps, but I think sometimes for me, I'm like, I, I need money to survive. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's a risk. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a risk. So, like, I mean, I think about even like, you know, where I work now, but where I worked before. And yeah. I was just like, Mm-mm, I need to move. This, this place is not for me. Right. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to take a leap. Yeah. And I'm just going to go on EI and see and make things manageable. I think also like what happens you know, I think we live many people. I don't say all because like everyone's different socioeconomic places. Um, I think so many of us uh, can probably live with less. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like we're attached to a number of different things. We do have responsibilities. We want a certain life. We want success in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to like, do what I have to do. My partner, you know, during the pandemic, because of his job, it wasn't like he was working all the time, but he was right. like, okay, babe, we're going to do this. You're not happy. That's more important. And I'm like, very grateful. I have that level of support in my relationship, mm-hmm. my romantic relationship with my partner. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're definitely right. When you have less skin in the game, less emotion, yeah. it's much easier to make those decisions. And, you know, not necessarily be as tied to it, but I think so many of us, I think the work that I do also is, is it, it has impact. I mean, some people do their job and they're not really connected to the work and just that paycheck. Right. But the work that I do, because it really impacts people and I'm that person, I guess I was born this lifetime to be a type of person to really care about humans. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think about, you know, how, what I'm leaving what impact it might have for an organization or a company or a person or people. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of skin, but definitely it comes to important, like, do this. Right. Me is more important than that. I've done what I can do. And the next person come in could do whatever they do. So, right. Right. but I would, yeah, I will definitely say that like in relationships, personal relationships, it is harder. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I think, I think what makes it easier for you or people like yourself um, correct me if I'm wrong in, in making this assumption, but I think you also have a greater understanding of what your value and your worth is. So you're able to leave one space and enter another one, recognizing that I have the value that this new space is going to benefit from. And so that gives me some self-confidence and, and, and whatnot, making that move. Am I far off or am I close? No, I don't think you're far off at all. I definitely think that plays a huge part. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that if something were to happen, you know, I could pick myself up and go somewhere else and give and do, or I have skills that I could use for something else, or I have people like yourself that will remind me, (laughs) 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 you're all right, then you got this. Um, That definitely does play a big part in, I guess, how I navigate decisions I make. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely, I think, you know, you and others, you know, share their sentiment of like, 
house and see me. And sometimes I'm like, I wish you knew what was feeling on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> that conversation on the inside does not look like what you're seeing on the outside, but yeah. I take that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also aware of that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it looks easier. When people are doing things, you're like, man, like, you're so courageous. And yeah. like, yeah, not saying that I'm not, I wouldn't do that. I won't continue doing that. But definitely it's a different battle on the inside, reminding myself, like, you're making a good decision. Mm-hmm. You know, remember why you're making the decision and you got this, you can do this. It's, it's necessary and your value. Right. That self talk and like, that self-care piece of taking care of myself in that way. Um, really a big part of continuing to make decisions the way that I do. Yeah. Now, what's working well for you now in your relationships, yeah. whether family, your partner, that you didn't recognize before? I have a question. <laughs> working well now. I guess I would kind of reposition that by saying as I get older, get more comfortable with who I am and how I want relationships to be. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like I mentioned, like peace is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to be and have relationships with people. Yeah, we all know doesn't always happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, particularly people who are closest to us, but really finding a way where I can be less reactive or in my emotion and how I respond. Yeah. Um, and really finding a way to like build and maintain relationships of humility and compassion is really important to me. Mm-hmm. So for me, recently, what action have you taken hmm. that you were proud of regardless of the outcome? In regards to like, like and anything, anything. I would say really learning how to use my voice. I know we hear that you read things and says that kind of thing, but I think like really understanding that for myself is like I have things to say and things I want to share. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not happy about stuff and really, you know, just having faith that what I have to say and how I want to say it is as important as someone else. Mm-hmm. And giving myself agency to be able to do that, no matter how it lands. For, like, obviously, I'm not going to do it in a way that hopefully it lands okay for that person, too. But, like, just making sure that I have as much agency in my voice that I can, regardless of what happens on the outcome. Now, is it, is it, does it depend on which space? Are you, are you talking about in the workspace or in just... Every, every space. In every space, every okay. Space. I think about, like, work. And half the time, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) um, But I also think about like, even with like my parents or like Mm -hmm. my partner and friendships and like just recognizing that so many of us, and I think about myself, like growing up as a child, you know, you you can't talk back or you can't say this, you can't say that. And you learn so often to kind of not speak your truth. Right. Um, I'm not saying, like, again, speaking your truth in your way that you're cutting someone off or, like, be rude and disrespectful. But I mean, like, you know, sometimes I realize I have conversations with my mom. And, like, with any parents, they get into this space and they're a parent. How dare you? I'm just like, no, but we're also two humans. Right. And we're adults. Right. So let's have a conversation about this. You might not like what I'm going to say, but that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and you know that transition of going, particularly with your parents, where you see them as a parent, and then you start seeing them as a human being. Yes. That is flawed. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also an adult, and you're an adult. Yeah. Um. So, like, you know, transitioning in those spaces where I'm just like, no, like, I don't like that. This is not what I want to do. Right. And I need to find a way to be able to have that conversation, even if it might upset that person, and be okay with that. Okay, so... When you say some of those things to your parents, let's say your mom mm-hmm. in particular, because mm-hmm. I know you guys are close. Now, Make sure she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I'm curious, like, when you say it, when you say it, do you have those moments where you're like, I wish I didn't say it that way, and you kind of feel guilty about it, but you don't tell oh, them? <laughs> definitely. 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 Yes, definitely. definitely. So many moments. So many moments. Because, I mean, I also hear my mother's voice in my head, your tone, yeah. you know, like, are you trying to be mindful, but sometimes they say something and you're like, irked. Yeah. And, you know, definitely. And I'm just like so stubborn or like my ego is like on fire and I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I know I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. And I get off the phone and I feel bad, but I'm like, man, <laughs> do I really want to apologize? I mean, I try my best to yeah. go back and say, mom, you know, I'm sorry. I should have said this differently. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's sometimes I'm just like, yeah. I'm gonna stay my I, ground. I, yeah, I, I want to be right. Yeah, and I am right. Maybe a little bit wrong, but I am right. I'm more right than I am wrong. <laughs> yes, trust me. You know those moments. You know those moments. Don't even act like it's only me. You know those moments. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> It's so true. You just don't want to admit it. Like the ego just wins in that moment. Oh, exactly. Because <laughs> my father doesn't happen that much. Because my father has more ego than I do. So yeah. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Oh gosh. So, tell me, when negative thoughts show up in your mind, mm-hmm. how do you handle them? Hmm. Um. I think it depends on what. Okay. So I think about, you know, trying to be very candid. Like, a couple of days ago. Mm. Just thinking about something, went to bed. um, I guess my body and brain were still doing that work. So I couldn't sleep and I just kept thinking. And so I gave myself the space to say, okay, let's do this negative Olympics. Um, (laughs) And really just allowed myself to kind of like feel. Self-aware, mm-hmm. I can put myself or 
bring myself through that process where I'm kind of doing more of the like, you know, yeah. thoughts, negative thoughts will come up, situations that come up. And then after really thinking through like what is real, what's realistic, what's actually happening mm. and what's the root of what is going on behind that negative emotion. Mm. Um, but then there's times where I kind of spiral and I'm in this moment. I'm like, okay, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. A lot of these thoughts are coming up and I'm not able to kind of like shift that. Mm-hmm. And it might go on for a few hours a day, a little bit longer, but right. like then just recognizing that I'm also still a human. Mm-hmm. So as much as like I can try to be super positive and but sometimes, you know, there's moments where that doesn't always work. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, that's it's it's tough because those moments come and when they come, it's it's almost like uh that's one of your most vulnerable states because there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do. You just have to let it run its course. Mm-hmm. If it's crying that I need to do, then I'm going to cry for as long as I need so that my mm-hmm. body can be at peace. And then once mm-hmm. I hit that moment of peace, then I can say, okay, let me recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And then try going through the positive, you know, um, affirmations that I have and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You're right. You have to just let it run its course. And sometimes it's hard. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that's the technique that everyone can do depending on where they are in their yeah. mental state. Mm-hmm. I'm also just going to be very honest about that. Um, but I do recognize for myself when I'm more resistant and I'm trying to make myself be like, oh, don't think about it. It's fine. You know, that kind of, you know, big girl panty analogy that people like to use all the time, like, suck it up, you're fine. Right. That actually is not helpful. No. Um, and it prolongs that feeling. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel worse. Because then you're comparing yourself to a reality that's actually not real. Because as humans, we all are going to go through states of like, you know, pure exactly. joy and happiness, or like deep darkness, shadows yeah. that we should be yeah. hopefully giving ourselves the space to address. Because also, like I had mentioned before, like too many of us are holding on to things mm-hmm. um, and not allowing ourselves to process that, yeah. and that has a deep impact on our health and well-being. That's for sure. I find that life itself is simple. Mm-hmm. Human beings are complex, mm-hmm. right? But for some reason, we have the two backwards. We complicate life <clears throat> and we try to simplify as the human being. Yeah, lost You know, it, it's, it just hit me as you were talking because it's true. Like, we are complex. We have mixed emotions. We cannot be simplified yet. You hear people say, suck it up and do this. You can get through it. Oh, you're tough. You're this, you know, and trying to minimize your complexity. But Mm -hmm. then we look at life and, you know, earlier we were talking about how simple things are. Mm -hmm. We we make it complex. We can live off the smallest things, Mm -hmm. but no, we got to have the extravagant things. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think we have it backwards a bit when I think about it. Yeah, you took me there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should change your podcast to Philosopher Derek. <laughs> no, no, I need more experience. I need more wisdom. <laughs> I got to be exposed to a lot more before I can do that. Uh-uh. <laughs> so we're going to segue into this segment, one of my favorite segments, which is the Thinking Out Loud segment, where I ask you the most random question. Okay, and I need your initial response as soon as you get it. You got two choices to choose from in this question here. You ready? Awesome. I'm just saying 
I'm just really glad this is not being videotaped because my face might be seeing everything. Okay, great. Okay, let's do this. Here it goes. <laughs> Would you rather have your breath smell like a bad fart or have your laugh sound like a fart? <laughs> what are my questions are Who writes these things? Uh, so gross. <laughs> Um, when I want my breath to, um, so my laugh to sound like a fart or my breath sounds like a fart? Is that before or after I brush my teeth? No, no, no. This is forever. Either <laughs> your breath is going to smell like a bad fart no. at all times I, or have I, your laugh sound like a fart. I'd rather my laugh sound like a fart. <laughs> You know, I want to be around you. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> so, walk me through this. <laughs> okay. Why did you choose that one? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have to. If that means after you brush your teeth, you lose Listerine or anything else, like it's still smelling. How are you going to open your mouth and talk to anyone? You'll have to like permanently wear a mask on your face, which means you're smelling it, which is not great. So I'm no, that's not happening. But if I if I laugh like my laugh sounds like a fart, hopefully I can try not to laugh. Can you imagine? You're you're at a baby shower or uh, a christening, no. <laughs> and, and a bad joke comes out, and you gotta laugh. <laughs> no, I couldn't imagine. Again, who made these questions? I did. <laughs> Why? Because I get to laugh like this. <laughs> sure everybody's laughing after I laugh because they'll hear the farts. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, thank you for that. Oh, gosh. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I usually, I love that that segment because it breaks up, obviously, um, how serious the conversation can be and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and just a reminder to laugh because I love to laugh, so I have to put that in yeah. there for yeah. you know, you selfish reasons. Yeah, you do love reasons. to laugh, so if you actually <laughs> laugh like a I would feel very bad for you. Yes. <laughs> that would be the end of me. That's it. Oh, it would be. It would be. Oh, gosh. Mm-mm. Oh, man. Thank you for that. Now, You're so we kind of alluded to it a little bit, even in this last segment here. How has the pandemic impacted your daily mm-hmm. routine? Totally changed everything. I mean, if I think about like professionally, I love separation between home and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had mentioned that before we started yeah. this conversation, this podcast. And, you know, mind you, it is also nice not being to have to like travel and go into like an office all the time. Um, but that separation, not having separation, has been really difficult mm-hmm. because. Things that I would do now just seem a little bit harder because, like, all my energy's at home. 
right. I'm at home already and think about cooking, right. you know, and if I want to devote space to like other things that I would like to do, sometimes I'm just not motivated right. or inspired or have the energy. Um, I completely want to do something that distracts me. I don't have to think about anything, mm-hmm. but I found that pretty difficult. Definitely would love to be more active than I am, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm at my desk. And then next day, now it's like, you know, time to make dinner. Right. Then the sun's going down. And it's like, you know, sometimes I get in a walk. Yeah. But it's not as easy. So, and it's been hard. I mean, my, my partner works out the house, so he gets to be outside most of the time or right. outside the house most of the time, but I don't. Yeah. So, that really, you know, that's the other side of like, I think all of us who were like, pretty excited to not have to go into work after a while for some of us. I mean, I think for others, particularly again, I mean, I, as a black person, as a black woman, there's so many things that we can interact with from like a, a lived experience perspective that we face working in different spaces. So we get to that's a little bit more removed, Mm -hmm. not being outside of the world, but you know, the other side of it, really recognizing it's nice to have that separation for myself. Right. Maybe if, like I lived in a huge house and I had a separate room, I could lock the door. It's a little bit different, but right. not out of the sense of luxury of having space to be able to do that. I definitely don't. So, yeah. so I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, you know, people ask you, uh, especially when you meet somebody for the first time to say, Oh, what do you do for a living? Uh-huh. Right. <clears throat> so my question is, what are you doing to live? What am I doing to live? Um, Finding joy in the little things, um, opportunities of spending time with friends yeah. and with family. Um, when I get a chance to go out and walk and be in nature, really being grateful to be connected to land in that way yeah. is really important to me. Um, and my food shop will obviously go to sleep during fall and winter but that really has been a space for me to to connect with myself and just be grateful that i can grow food myself and my family yeah so you know a little bit that's it that's it and i think if anything the pandemic has has taught us Mm -hmm. is to try and find the little things that can right so interesting i had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and we were talking about the education system And so that conversation inspired this question that I'm going to ask you. Which do you believe holds more value? Education from an institution Um, or lived experiences? My brain is like asking a million (laughs) questions from there, but I will just go from what you asked me. I think lived experience (laughs) plays a big part in teaching us so much. And like I think about my little sister and how much you know Mm -hmm. like I said she's 15 she's like so stressed about like school and it's also her age um and what it can and what it cannot do and how it's going to impact her life I don't remember being that way when I was her age but I think also so much has changed for young people right um and I also think about all the ways that I've lived and in my 40 years having different experience living internationally in different countries and 
knowing that if I did leave Montreal and do some of the things I could have done, I really wouldn't have been able to experience the world that I have. Mm-hmm. And that lived experience has shaped me in so many different ways. Right. Yeah, because that's, that's where I was leaning towards as well, because I feel like, I mean, if you really think about it, you go to school, um, you know, that's a prescription, right? Everybody must go to school and you go through the system, but what you learn is usually dated. Uh-huh. So when you go into the workforce, you're already behind. Uh-huh. And most employers are going to train you to do the job they're hiring you for anyway. Uh-huh. But when you and have... so much of what you do, you learn on the job. Right. So, but if I have lived experiences, I can bring more to that company that they couldn't even imagine or haven't even thought of. Uh-huh. You know, because like you just said, you've been exposed to see different parts of the world. That's essential, you know, to any company, because then you can say, well, um, I got a different perspective on that. One that they probably haven't even, you know, processed or considered. Right. So I think the benefits outweigh um, as far as lived lived experiences outweigh the institutions because it's very limited. It's great for networking. Yes. But we're all in the same pond and we're all learning the same thing. So it's not as rich as it would be if we lived in different parts of the world and came together with our experiences. Agreed. You know, so um, could you share an important life lesson that you've learned that you think listeners can benefit from? Can I do one professional and one person? Sure. Um, The one for you to work these days is know what you're good at and hire people or get people around you are good at the other things that you're not good at. I think that there's too often, like, you know, professionally, you want to, like, be the one who's leading in quotations and, you know, owning something, but you don't have all the skill sets that you're projecting as if you do. Right. When actually, if you just built a really good team mm-hmm. around you that you bring to the table and you need, you'd actually That's get there it. faster and more. Nice. Um, so I think about that, and I think that can actually be extended, like, in so many facets of your life, not just even professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, just really give yourself the space to be. Mm-hmm. And I and I guess it's more like from a personal, uh, spiritual perspective. Yeah. That I think we're so much about giving ourselves the space to rest. Right. To figure out what it even means to be for each of us. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish I knew that earlier on in my life. Because I think I would just find more peace uh, with some of the decisions I've made. Got it. Now, was there a, a career setback that you faced, which you later realized was actually an advantage? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, were you working at Harmony when that happened? I left, remember when I went, left Harmony and I came back? Were you there? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, I left one job because mm-hmm. I wanted to explore something else and worked for this company for three months. It was not a good fit. Mm-hmm. I was just, it just was not a good fit. And they fired me. And I've never been fired in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was devastating. 
not because like obviously I didn't want to be there, but it was just like my ego was yeah. deeply bruised. Yeah. Um, but we, that when you know you need to leave, just leave, and like you can survive. Right. Really gave me an opportunity to think about like you know being fired, particularly like I felt like I did anything. I just said I wasn't the right fit. Right. Um, and it was really because I was asking too many questions about how they were doing their business. Mm. Um, so like values wise, we weren't matched right. and integrity is really big for me. So if I'm working with someone, I realize integrity is not what is in line with the state. Yeah. Um, it starts shifting things. Um, and it was just like a good opportunity to be humble. Mm. That's, that's that silver lining there. <clears throat> it's almost like you, you knew you were supposed to walk away, but you didn't. And then you waited too long and. They said, okay, well, she's not leaving, so we're going to, you know, push her out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I find, I find a lot of people are in that space, um, mm-hmm. but are afraid because of the unknown. Yeah. <clears throat> and and it, that risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge risk. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, if the risk is not great enough, then the reward will never be great. Right. So. Um, exactly. Because I think about that. And I remember I was working at... Um, mental health uh, organization and again the integrity didn't line up with me as well and I said Uh yeah I'm done Uh and really what pushed me to say I'm done and walk away was just because I was hospitalized for like three days and I saw three different doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong the third one identified that it was stress because everything came back positive blood work and everything and, you know, she just said, it's, are you stressed? Is it work? And I said, wait a minute, it could be, because I'd never experienced what stress can actually do to a person. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yeah. And so what she said to me as a doctor was, listen, I'm going to see you here um, shortly or you can quit. And I said, mm-hmm. that's an easy one. So I quit. <laughs> I'm not trying to see her. I said, I quit. <clears throat> Went back into work and I gave him my two weeks and that was that parted ways. And that was one of the best decisions ever. I didn't know what I was going to do next, mm-hmm. you know, but within a week, the, the, you know, their, their, um, I guess, competitor, if you want to call him that, um, found out that I had walked away and they hired me, you know, so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about knowing your worth and knowing your value. And I think when other people recognize that same value, you can always land on your feet, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, your point i mean another thing that i mean i don't know if you heard this thing but those do not those who do not hear feel yes right yes and i think it works the same way and mm-hmm. like you'll get these nudges yes <laughs> and like you're still not hearing it right <laughs> and it gets a little bit bigger and you're still not hearing it and then you will feel it yeah. and you have no choice that's it whether like it might just land you on your back yeah and yeah. you're out and permanently, like you said, physically you are sick because yeah. of the stress that you're just like taking on yeah. and embodying or something else happens yeah. and you get fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a shock to your system that really makes you like stop and sit and be like, and because I remember, I remember like almost every day telling a friend of mine and she kept saying, see, mm. like really just leave. Yeah. And I wasn't, and I was like, I don't know, you know, then, you know, where am I going to find a job? And I had to look for a job. And it was like around Christmas 
talking about like responsibilities and all sorts of stuff and she's like no like like why are you going to put yourself through this yeah. and the company actually let me go right after christmas yeah yeah right before my three months was up wow so they didn't have to pay me anything yeah yeah you know and it was also a reminder to me it's like listen when someone wants you to go, particularly professionally, you're out. That's it. So, like, that same loyalty you might have to the company is not the loyalty they will have to you. That's so how it. do you put your loyalty to yourself mm-hmm. and self-nurture and self-care? How do you make that number one, knowing that, you know, you can land on your feet? And definitely, it's not the same for everyone. Everyone has different responsibilities. There are different parts of their life. But it's like the what could you put in place that you have an exit strategy? Yeah. Yeah. Man. So we're nearing the end um, of our episode here, our conversation. My question for you is when it's all said and done, how would you want to be remembered? Mm, You know, I actually think about that often. (laughs) Not in like a morbid way, but like just so like mindful of like how, I live my life and navigate my life, but mm-hmm. integrity, someone who's had integrity, mm-hmm. um, with the relationships and how they are with people. Yeah. That's how I'd like to be remembered. That's it. That's it. I think, I think you've definitely achieved that. Um, so you tell me I could die now? No, no, I'm not saying for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not trying to let you go. No, no. <laughs> Never that. But I think you're doing a great job at it. And, and yeah. I think the only thing that's going to, um, change with that is the number of people you impact and, and, and whatnot. I think you have a lot more people to impact. You've already done a great job so far, but I think there's always more, right? More people that haven't heard your story. And I think this is also another great opportunity for me to be able to share that, um, with people. So I think, yeah, I think there's a lot more people that you're going to come in contact with that are going to appreciate you and recognize that same integrity as I have over the years. So Thank you. Well, you know, they always say you mirror people who are in your life, right? So. True, true. You are also a mirror of my integrity. So thank you for inviting me to be part of your podcast series. Oh, no, thank you. Now, before we wrap things up, I have two questions. The first one is going to be, what is the most recent book you've read? And what was it about? See, I do this because I'm (laughs) I'm actually building my library. This is is me cheating. Um, Instead of... You know, so I ask all my guests now, if you've read a book, I would like to know about it because I would like to read it as well. I haven't really read a book recently. The last one I can think about is like, it's called um, Working the Roots because, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I... Was it Working the Roots? Working the Roots. Okay. Um, It's actually about um, the tradition of healing from an African-American perspective over 400 years. Mm -hmm because I'm interested in, you know, shifting into more work around health and well-being for Black and Bodies. Awesome. So that was the last book I read. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Now, can you leave our listeners with a statement to guide them on their journeys? And before you do that, do you have your social media handle? Can people reach out to you or you prefer not to be reached out to just to continue the conversation or to see what you're up to if you're even active on your social media profile or anything like that? If somebody has a question about some of the things that you mentioned, 
can they reach you? So folks can reach me at Nurturing Her on IG, on Instagram. Not super active right now, mm-hmm. um, but that's still open. My personal one is private for family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one that I, way I can be obviously reached. Um, private message, send a message. Uh, folks have any questions, comments, all that wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and any parting words on, you know, um, mm-hmm. I would just invite people and encourage them in their lives um, mm-hmm. and really sit with that and, and choose that and to live through that because I think so much of us are looking for happiness and joy mm-hmm. and happiness to be fleeting but finding peace is so much deeper there you go Thank you so, so, so much. I want to thank all my listeners for joining us this week on the DAPS show. And a special thank you to CN for blessing the episode and this show again. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to make this happen. It's always a great time. It's always a great time and great energy whenever I get to talk to you. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for having me. Until next time, love, peace, and nappiness.